Halloween Carol, written by Ian Smith. Chapter 1. Stave. Marley was dead to begin with, as dead as a doornail, that had also been stoned to death to ensure a good harvest, obviously through some town lottery. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of this story, or the harvest. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the undertaker, the overgiver, the overunder, give or take, and Marley's chief mourner, Ebenezer Ivoryzer Scrooge. Scrooge and Marley had been partners in business, each a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, for they had to be, what with their tight-fist grindstone business failing, and thus converting their warehouse into a counting house. Scrooge never painted out Marley's name. There it stood years afterwards, Scrooge and Marley, above the warehouse door, out of arm's reach. Scrooge was a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, styling, profiling, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. But he was afraid of heights, so there old Marley's name stood. Once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on All Hallows' Eve Eve, or Halloween Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. It was cold, biting weather out Scrooge's dingy window to the courtyard. People went wheezing up and down, stomped their feet, practiced their sales pitch for the coming day. That's it. You're getting it now. But the world of disemboweled orange squash had little value to Scrooge. What Scrooge valued above all was his money, which you could count on Scrooge counting in his counting house when he wasn't accounting for his counted accounts, who counted on Scrooge's understanding and forgiveness during the holiday season, for which Scrooge was unaccounted. Please, Mr. Marley or Scrooge, if you would just give us more time to collect. We haven't got the money now. Um, business has been awful poor as of late. And what is it that you are in the business of, Mr. Dell? At Rocks. I swear it's a million dollar idea, sir. If we could just have some more time. That generation is stupid enough to spend tuppence on a pet rock, let alone millions of your doll heirs. Please, sir. With Halloween on the morrow, I haven't a shilling left. In a week's time, I can promise you nine quippence. Ah, humbug. It'll be six quippence tomorrow, which is how people say that. And not a farthing less. Now off with you before I scream. Please, Mr. Marley or Scrooge, don't do this to me. I have a wife and kids, and all my money went to buying candy this year. Okay, fine, I'm going. Gary Dahl grabs his pet rock, Lesnar, and his cowboy hat from the hat rack. All right, well, happy Halloween. Good afternoon. Do I get any candy on the way out before I put on my cowboy beard? Candy? And why should I break you off a piece of any of my bars? Well, sir, it's Halloween season. (laughs) A poor excuse to pick a man's pocket every October the 31st. Now be gone before I scream again. I was only partaking in... (laughs) All right, I'm going. Gary stuffs his grey cowboy beard over his head. Piece of shit. Not giving me candy? Oh boy, they're right there. Muttering his dissent, too quiet for God to hear, as he passes two portly gentlemen, pleasant to behold, who made their way into Scrooge's office before he could even say, Humbug. Ah, too slow. We're already inside. Scrooge and Marley's, I presume. One of the men said, referring to his list, Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago this very night. I don't believe that. Yeah, that's too coincidental. It's true. Why does the sign still have his name? It's been seven years. I'm afraid of heights. Now state your business. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at the present time. Halloween is a time for giving. Out candy to those in costumes, yet so many cannot afford the trek from one doorstep to the next. We're going around Halloween Eve collecting candy for those in need so they too can interact with strangers every 45 seconds. Humbug. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons, said the gentleman, laying down his pen, but not the way you'd think. And the union workhouses, are they still in operation? 
They are, though I wish I could say they were not. And the boys? Are they not back in town? They have been for quite some time. Oh, good. Uh, What were we talking about? Candy donations. What shall we put you down for? Nothing. You wish to remain anonymous? I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry myself at Halloween, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. You don't give out candy on Halloween? Humbug. If children wanted candy, they could go to the store and buy some for themselves. But sir, some children would rather die. If they'd rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population, running around with a happy Halloween on their lips and those small, uninviting, sticky fingers. They don't wash those, you know. We know. Even after the bathroom. Yeah, it's gross. So no candy donation, then? Ah, humbug. Scrooge's mantra sends him back to his balance sheets, their sheets balanced perfectly on his desk. Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue their point, the gentlemen withdraw as another figure makes their way into Scrooge's office. A merry Halloween, Uncle! God save you! cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's niece, Fredina, who came upon him so quickly that he nearly shit himself. Ah! Humbug! No, it's Fredina, your niece. You know me. I know it's you. You've known me since one of our births, Uncle. I said I know. Are you ill, Uncle? Humbug to Halloween, I meant. Halloween? A humbug? Surely you don't mean that, I'm sure. Surely I am sure. What right have you to demanding my candy? You're poor enough. What right do you have to be hoarding your candy for yourself? You're rich enough. I wish you would partake in the festivities this year. Promise you'll come over for the costume party I'm throwing. Eh, Humbug. Uncle, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Humbug. Keep Halloween in your own way and let me keep it in mine. I shall take no part in the giving away of hard-earned candy. At least dine with us on the morrow and take part in the fun. Tomorrow. Oh, they'll be bobbing for apples and pin the murder on the werewolf and square dancing and all kinds of shapes. I've had jeer out my window, scheduled for almost a year now, and I can't reschedule last minute. Now, good afternoon. But, Uncle... Good afternoon. Maybe just stop by to see our hollowed orange squashes... Good afternoon! Ugh, it's ten in the morning. Fredina takes her leave, and almost a butterfinger. Don't you dare lay a finger on my butterfinger. I wasn't! Ugh! And Scrooge returns to his numbers, but only for a moment. Scrooge's heart fills with a hollow happiness as he watches the candlelight flicker dance over his candy's wrapper, nestled safely in their bowl. Ah, my candy. My delicious confections. My precious... Stave 2. At length, the hour of shutting up the counting house arrived. Shut up, counting house. Been at it all day, creaking with the wind, like that ever boosted the economy. Beg your pardon, Mr. Scrooge? All right, then, go on. Oh, please, sir, please. Just one pardon is all I ask for. Please, Mr. Scrooge. All right, all right, all right. That's enough of that unnamed clerk. Now, what is this pardon for? Well, Mr. Scrooge... Seeing how the morrow's Halloween and all. Tomorrow. What is it with you all? I was wondering if perhaps... <sighs> You'll want the whole day tomorrow, I suppose. Just the afternoon. Around three. If quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient. Scrooge mutters, extinguishing his candle with the clerk's fingers. Ow! It's not fair. I hate it, and it smells. If I were to stop half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, would you not? A half a what? What the hell kind of money does England use? And yet, you don't think me ill-used if I pay a day's wages for no work. The clerk observed that it was only once a year. What are you doing? Huh? What are you looking at over there? Oh, I was just observing that Halloween is only once a year. That may be. But I suppose if you must have the whole afternoon, starting around three... Be here all the earlier next morning. The clerk promised he would, and Scrooge walked out with a growl. I will, sir. I swear it. Swear to me! Oh, like from Batman Begins.
The counting house was closed in a twinkling, its closure counted down by the accountants from accounting counting. Four, three, two, one. One and a half. That's no, not Can't go back up. The clerk, in honor of its being Halloween Eve, went down a slide on Cornhill at the end of a lane of boys. All sorts of boys. Tough boys. Skinny boys. Boys who climb on rocks. Twenty times the adult clerk and these young boys slid down this hill together. But there's probably nothing more to look into about that. Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. Stop calling it melancholy, Scrooge. It's England. That's just how the food is. You could add something to it. I add the lumps. It's something to bite so you're not just slurping brown. Having read all the newspapers and beguiled the rest of the evening with his banker's book, Scrooge went home to bed. He lived in chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner, which was still considered gross in Scrooge's time as well. Now it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the front door, except that it was Eiffel Tower-shaped and lightning blue and stuck outwards with the tip at eye level, like a pointy door nipple. It is also a fact that Scrooge had seen it, night and morning, during his whole residence in that place, and always managed to dodge the point, unlike Jonathan One-Eye Watson. But as Scrooge stood before the door, having his key in the lock, saw in the knocker not an overrated symbol of the French compensating, but Marley's face. Marley's face. It was not in impenetrable shadow, but had a dismal light about it, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar, which was Charles Dickens' simile, not mine. It was not angry or ferocious, but looked at Scrooge the way Marley had, with its eyes. But then, as suddenly as the phenomenon had occurred, the knocker of a somehow finished tower, even though it's really just the frame, returned. Humbug. Scrooge lights his candle, pausing in a resolute moment of irresolution, half expecting to see Marley's pigtail sticking out into the hall. But there was nothing on the back of the door, except the screws and nuts that held the brass bust of Marley's pigtail. But that isn't the same. Humbug. Scrooge closed the door with a bang, which resounded through the house like thunder. Not all this nonsense again. Waste of a good candle. Up Scrooge ran to his bedchambers, getting only glimpses of the hall and the flashes of lightning, for which he did not care a button. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. Ow, damn it! Most of the time. My toe. This is not how weather works. Oh, I hate this house. Before retiring to his armchair by the fire, Scrooge had just enough recollection of Marley's face to warrant a search of the room to see that all was right. The closet, under the bed, the closet again. No sign of monsters or Scrooge's deceased partner. Quite satisfied, Scrooge locks himself in, changes to dry pajamas, and warms his toesies by the fireplace. The fireplace was an old one, built by some Dutch merchant of Venice long ago and paved with quaint Dutch tiles illustrating the scripture. There were Cain's and Abel's, Queens of Sheba, Abraham's, even an old man sicking two bears on forty-two children outside of Bethel for calling him bald. But as Scrooge looked over these paintings in the flickering light, he would have sworn there was a copy of Old Marley's head on every one. Humbug! What sorcery is this, on the eve of such a Halloween? I shall have none of it. As Scrooge turned to face the fireplace, his glance caught an old disused bell that hung in the room, which, with great astonishment and dread as he watched, began to swing, softly in its outset that it scarcely made a sound, but soon it rang out loudly. I said I shall have none of it. I wish to ponder my candy in peace. Be gone, whatever forces be at play. 
a clanking deep down below in the cellar, as if some person were dragging a heavy chain, echoed its way through the house. The cellar door flew open with a booming sound, and Scrooge heard the noise much louder on the floor below, up the stairs, straight towards his door. If you're here for my candy, you can bugger off. Your holiday cheer will bequeath you nothing but coal in your stocking and lead in your face. Easy, Scrooge. These doors are pre-colonial. Scrooge's color changed when, without a pause, a hollow figure passed through the bedroom door and into the room before his eyes. I... uh, I know you. You're Marley's ghost. Yes, and you, Scrooge, have been a bad, bad but Scrooge, are you naked? What? That's disgusting. Why are you naked? But these are my pajamas, the narrator said. Those aren't pajamas. You're only wearing tube socks. I can see your balls, Scrooge. It's how I sleep. I didn't expect trespassers to come barging in during the night. Trespasser? It's my house. You're squatting. Am not. Are too? Then sue me. Marley rubbed his eyes as Scrooge looked him up and down. His face was the same. His waistcoat, tights, boots, all the same. Except quite see-through, so as if Scrooge himself were to wear them, you'd still see his balls. The Phantom's chains hugged its middle and wound about him like a long tail of cash boxes, ledgers, padlocks, hard-wrought steel. Do you have dry eye? No. I'm annoyed with you, Scrooge. You're a cheap sack of shit. But more importantly, you're giving my house a bad reputation for trick-or-treating. You're particular for the shade. This house used to be the first stop for trick-or-treaters on this street. And not just because it's at the corner. All the cobwebs and hollowed candle pumpkins and witchcrafters I set out over the years welcomed children to take candy from a stranger. But you've undone my life's work in just these seven years, Scrooge. Not a skeleton or circus performer in a single bush. No tombstones, no spiders. How will kids know to put their mouths on your yummy goodie? Oh, don't say it like that. I, I, I don't give out candy on Halloween, oh spirit. And why not? They're my yummy goodies for mouthing and sucking. And I... Uh, you see, you've got me saying it. Oh, you're right. I hear it now. Yeah, yeah, you hear it. I didn't like that. Yeah, yeah, it felt gross to say. We'll be more careful. That was my bad. Oh, dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me so on Halloween Eve? What other holiday would you have a ghost appear? Christmas? That makes no sense. That's, uh, that's pretty true, now that you say it. But why do you trouble me so on Halloween Eve? Your greed is what brings me here tonight, Scrooge. I wear the chain I forged in life, link by link, and yard by yard, I girded it of my own free will. Metaphorically. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And now I suffer in death under its weight from my choices in life. And you too, Scrooge, have a chain that was just as heavy and just as long as this. Seven Halloween Eves ago, how you've labored on it since. Marley, speak comfort to me. Tell me there is some way to avoid the consequences of my actions. Surely, I have the wealth to do so. Hear me, Scrooge. My time is nearly gone. I will. Don't be hard on me, Marley. Pray. I am here tonight to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. Slightly. Slightly? Slightly. Shun the greed-filled path you tread. Buy Halloween decorations, set them forth in the front yard, and hand out candy to every visitor on the morrow younger than high school age. Because really, why are you in high school and still going around- Is, Is this all about Halloween and my candy? Yes. Not So not about my greed in general? No. And the only thing I can change is giving out candy? The, the rest of the chain stuff is, is already set? Nothing I can do? Every bit makes a difference. 
Really? Yeah. You wouldn't believe what a bitch this thing is to drag everywhere. Did you hear me in the cellar? Look at this shit. All the time. How dreadful. There'd be a huge dent in the floor if this wasn't a ghost chain. But for real, Scrooge, I'm worried about you. You have a big-ass chain already. Don't keep adding to it. I know you're not going to a chiropractor about that bad back. They're expensive. Okay, and your posture's trash. This is the one thing you can do, Scrooge. Just do yourself a favor. And change your ways before it's too late. Marley's fading figure glides towards the bedroom window, which raises itself with his approach as Scrooge pushes his shoulders back to straighten up. You will be haunted by three spirits. Expect the first when the bell tolls one. Scrooge, what did you do to the bell? Marley's spirit reappears in full and glides as close as his chains will let him to the disfigured bell Scrooge had smashed. It was possessed. It was part of your haunting. No, it wasn't. What was it doing? It was ringing uncontrollably. That's what it does. It's a bell. It rings and tells the time. It wouldn't stop ringing. Oh, and how many times did it ring? Eleven? Maybe. Yeah, because it's almost midnight. You stupid idiot. That's what it was for. You destroy my door, now my bell. You have no respect for anyone's stuff. I'm not even checking out that bathroom. I bet there's hair all over the place. Well, it's not my hair. Expect the first spirit when the bell would have told one. With those words, the specter floated out through the open window and into the bleak, dark night. Scrooge followed to the window, desperate in his curiosity, and looked out, his exposed balls retracting in the very cold fall breeze that carried hundreds of phantoms, wandering hither and thither in chains like Marley's ghosts. No squash faces. No signs that say boo. Are children to assume there is candy inside? He's not giving out candy. That's what I'm doing here. Who won't? The guy in the window. Oh, God, is he naked? I have socks. It's how I sleep. He says it's how he sleeps. Then sleep a different way. Why do we have to look at this? Go put some pants on. Ghosts don't like seeing this. A creeping mist consumed the streets outside Scrooge's manor before fading away as quickly as they'd come, taking with all signs of the spirits that had shamed him. Scrooge closes his window and puts on a pair of denim boxers he saved for emergencies. He examines the door by which Marley's ghost had entered to find the bolt undisturbed from when it had been locked by his own hand but signs of what appear to have been several shotgun blasts carve out a large enough hole in the door to make the deadbolt obsolete. Humbug, Scrooge said, although he found himself unable to doubt his senses. Maybe from the emotions he had undergone, or maybe from his glimpse of the invisible world, or maybe as Maybelline, but Scrooge turned without another thought and went straight back to bed, where he fell asleep upon an instant. End chapter one. Barbara was just a regular top neurosurgeon giving a lecture at the World Neurosurgeon Conference in Vienna. And that's why you don't poke at it. But she always wondered if she'd ever find Mr. Wright. What my lawyers didn't know was there were four more bodies DA never found. Ugh, you're not the one. Ah, fuck. Quit it. Until one day, she ran into man's best friend. Hey there, little guy. And discovered he wasn't just man's best friend, but a man himself. What's that you say? You're not really a dog, you're actually a prince? You're not really a dog, but a prince impersonator? You were a prince impersonator? And your real name was Sam? And after Prince's death, there wasn't a big demand for Prince impersonators, even though you thought there might be for a nostalgia kind of thing. But that didn't happen, so you took a job at Wendy's but slipped because Kenneth didn't mop properly, and you landed weird on your back and went on disability, but that led to an alcohol addiction which killed you and reincarnated you in the body of a dog and you don't know why? And now you want to kill Kenneth? And you need my help? All right, I'm in. 
This summer, get ready to supersize the family fun. Welcome to Wendy's. What can I get for you? <laughs> Sam? Mop this up, Kenneth. <laughs> With a side of fries. Son of Sam 2. Daughter of Sam. In theaters everywhere, July 2006. Chapter 2, Stave 3 When Scrooge awoke, he could scarcely distinguish the translucent window from the walls of his bedroom. But with his glasses on, he could. Ah, that's better. There's our window. As Scrooge looked out into the hazy night air, wondering the time and whether his visions of Marley had been a dream, a neighboring church chime struck the four quarters. Scrooge listened for the hour. Shut up, damn dogs. Whose dogs are these? They're trying to sleep. Who the hell is ringing the bell? It's the middle of the night. No one needs to know what time it is now. Oh, right. Now the baby's away. You better shut that baby up, too. Make me. Will someone shut that baby-sounding dog up? No. To Scrooge's great astonishment, the bell went on from six to seven, to eight, and regularly on until twelve. That's it. I'm going up there. Can we just come back to bed? No. It's every night, and I'm sick of it, Sheila. This ends tonight. Could it be? The clock must be wrong. Have I slept a whole day and far into another night? I have not the intestinal fortitude for such an endeavor. Perhaps it was only been an hour. Scrooge scrambled out of bed and took to his window for a sign of the times. Oranged squash lanterns and festive yard graves gave heed to the notion that it was still, in fact, All Hallows' Eve Eve. He could see very little, except a mob running to and fro, making a great stir. Tonight we rid ourselves of the scourge that is the midnight bell ringer once and for all. No more broken sleeps, no more halted dreams, no mercy. Scrooge went back to bed, delighted the midnight bell ringer would be brought to justice at last. But still he thought, and thought, and thought it over and over and over, and could make nothing of it. And the more he thought, the more perplexed he was. There's no reason to ring a bell this late. But also, was Marley's ghost but a dream? The apparent shotgun blasts in the door suggest it was not, but perhaps this, too, is a dream. Scrooge went to pinch himself to test this hypothesis, but missed and sought foolish to try again. He resolved to lie awake the hour until one, when Marley had warned the first spirit was to visit. He retrieves his nearly an hourglass from his nightstand, since now it would be not quite an hour to one o'clock. Scrooge watched the sand fall for nearly the hour, noting the quarters-ish. About a quarter past. Half-ish past now. Roughly a quarter to it. Ah, the hour itself. More or less. And nothing else. But Scrooge spoke before the final grains of sand had fallen. And once they did, it was about a minute more until precisely one, when great lights flashed up in the room upon an instant. Who goes there? Who goed there was an unearthly visitor, childlike yet not so like a child but like an old man, a Benjamin Button of sorts, viewed through some supernatural medium. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was as pure white as its tunic, and flew carelessly over the being's long, muscular arms and legs. So maybe less of a Benjamin Button and more like a buff baby Gandalf. It held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand while its soft blue eyes penetrated Scrooge's with warmth. So I guess just picture a squat Jared Leto. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who are you? I am the ghost of Halloween past. Long past? inquired Scrooge, observant of its dwarfish stature. The fuck's that supposed to mean? 
What? Is that some short joke or something? Fuck you, man. You're like 5'8". That's not what I meant. Oh, I didn't mean it. Save it. I've been hearing this shit since the second grade and I'm tired of it. You shut up. No, I I meant it more in the- Oh, in the what? Meant it more in the what? I I don't- I, I, I don't know. No, you don't. Making jokes, I've heard it all. I meant distant past. Then say that. <sighs> Sorry, I just... You hear it so much for so long, you end up on alert all the time. No, no, I, I get it. Uh, I, I don't brush my teeth. That's not the same, and, and you should, but that's not why I'm here. What business brought you here, spirit? Your welfare. I collect no welfare, spirit. Your salvation, then. You have forgotten the value of a stranger's goodwill toward all in costume. Take heed. The spirit holds out its tiny Jared Leto hand to Scrooge. Rise and walk with me. Scrooge grabbed hold of the spirit, its grip on his hand gentle yet absolute, and rose with it towards the window. Spirit, I am mortal and likely to fall. Bear, but a touch of my hand and you shall not fall. Obviously. You think I didn't think this through? As the words were spoken, Scrooge and the spirit passed through the window and found themselves upon an open country road with fields on either side where there had just been a city. What did I tell you? I said I'd fall. And I said hold on and you won't. You let go. Help me. What do you expect me to do? I'm a ghost. I died. If I knew how to handle emergencies, I'd be alive, wouldn't I? Ah, ah, my back. Oh, oh, my back. Oh, is it your back? Say that a thousand more times, why don't you? All right, hold on, Scrooge. The spirit grabbed a gentle hold of Scrooge once more from the dirt road and ascended with him dangling below. Ow, 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 stop, stop. Put me down. Oh, put right, me down. All right. Oh, put me down. Put me down. All right. Oh, relax. Oh, oh, I'm putting you oh, down. That's so bad. Relax. Oh, my back's so bad. Then you don't let go in the first place. You did this. Oh, God. It hurts to breathe. Look, the memory's already playing. We're missing the setup. We need to go. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't go on like this. God damn it. Are you serious? The spirit looks around for materials to make a body splint from the shrubbery. That should do it. I need a doctor. Well, maybe Uh, we'll see one. I I was a boy here. I I was bred in this place. Ew. Take me to the brown house up the street. On the right. I I I know it. Dr. Sherman's house. He'll fix me. That's not how it works. They're shadows of the past. You just gotta tough it out Uh, until uh, you get home. uh, Oh, 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 careful. Oh, 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 oh. The spirit lifts Scrooge in his makeshift body cast like a baby and carries him toward the houses ahead. Scrooge was conscious of a thousand odors floating in the air, each one connected with a thousand thoughts and hopes and joys and cares long forgotten. Gourds of all sizes and colors and carvings adorned every doorstep they passed, where children in spidered men costumes ran from one to the next with a Happy Halloween! to each other as their paths crossed. Scrooge filled with gladness upon hearing this, but what was a happy Halloween to Scrooge? What good had it ever done to him? I'm hoping the school is not quite deserted. There should be a solitary child there to help me make my point. Please, please hurry. Oh, right, hurry. We're late because of me. That's fucking rich. They left the high road by a well-remembered lane and soon approached a dull red brick schoolhouse with a weathered bell tower cupola. Inside were empty classrooms with closed doors, except one, whose door stood ajar, a room quite familiar to Scrooge. Hello? Damn it, we missed him. Who? You! You were supposed to see you alone and start thinking about how important Halloween and getting candy is to kids. Oh, oh, I just want to go home. This is torture. No. Now we have to go on to the next thing and see if you'll learn a lesson. Come on. Scrooge is jostled around the spirit's arms, already tired from carrying his weight, and pass back through the classroom doorway to find themselves now in the busy thoroughfares of a city. Shadowy pedestrians passed and repassed. Carts and coaches battled for the way. 
Shops with the dressings of Halloween offered backdrops for men in Santa costumes, collecting money in their buckets for the Army of Salvation, a charitable terrorist collective whose ringleader would go on to be the infamous Midnight Bell Ringer following his disciples' mass suicide. The ghost stopped at a warehouse door and asked if Scrooge knew it. I, I, I can't think. It, it hurts too much. I'm going into shock. You're not, you big baby. Calm down. You know this place. You apprentice here. Remember Fezwig? Oh, oh old Fezziwig? Alive again? Oh, oh, oh God. I, I need to get put down. Fine. Hang on a second. Scrooge is carried inside where a grand Halloween party is underway most of which becomes out of sight when he falls through the couch where the spirit had tried to place him and hits the floor. Ah, it's bad. It's not. I don't like this. Well, it's almost over. This part's coming up. Look, you missed the first one. If this sticks with you, we'll go home. The warehouse had been cleared away for the party, with every movable packed off, the floor swept, and its dust pile left in the middle of the room because of poor time management. As snug, warm, bright a ballroom as you desire upon a Halloween night, the partygoers made themselves merry upon the delicious steamy food, good drinks, and enjoyed the music from the fiddler on the roof as they danced the night away. I love this song. It's from Psycho. There was Mrs. Fezziwig dressed as a horse, her three daughters as nuns, their six young suitors whose hearts they broke as priests, The housemaid, the baker, the cook, the milkman, all as a cook. A milkman, a baker, and a housemaid. Even a distasteful King William IV was present until he was removed from the party by force. Get out of here. That's too soon. Scrooge, pay attention. It's about to happen. Let me rest. The spasms have stopped. I need ice. We're almost done. Relax. Mr. Fezziwig, in garbs of a jockey, crossed the warehouse towards his wife with a young Scrooge in tow wearing what one could argue was a Scrooge costume, but that would be dismissed as little more than a Welshman's excuse. But, Mr. Fezziwig, I just don't see the point of spending this kind of money on a Halloween party. Young Master Scrooge, it is the holiday season. Of course we need to throw a party. But we're adults. A Halloween party seems rather silly. I don't understand the benefit. Master Scrooge, life is terrible. It sucks for everybody. I hate mine. I found a boil in my butt crack. I can't sit without my eyes watering like the falls of Glomok in Rosshire. I'm constantly worried it'll pop and I'll begin my day screaming. What are you talking about? The Halloween party. Scrooge, when you get older, you need something to put the joy back into your life. And most of the time, that means getting drunk at parties for any reason at all. Including Halloween. I guess. But then what of the candy the firm just gives away? Surely that isn't for your own morale. A small investment into the happiness of the next generation. It's always good to give joy, Scrooge. The world becomes a better place through small acts of kindness as these. We do what we do at this time of year to recognize the value of building a community. I hope you never forget that, Scrooge. Fezziwig puts his hand on the young Scrooge's shoulder how a father would to a son embarking on a great journey, before turning to his wife and grinding all up on dat ass she'd done drop down low like a freak. The ghost of Halloween past looks on fondly. See that, Scrooge? That's the real meaning of Halloween. You seem to have forgotten that it's some... Scrooge! What? Are you sleeping? Uh, I'm usually not up this late. And my back, I, I, I just need rest. Let me sleep, oh spirit. You missed the whole thing again. Take me home. You don't get to go home. This is a whole thing. You need to learn a lesson, and this was it. Just, just show me again. That's not how it works. Just uh, recap it for me. No, no, we'll just have to do another one now. Please, spirit, I don't want to. Neither do I. Get up. Uh, That's it. Uh, Here we go. Scrooge is lifted up as the world around him transforms from the jovial warehouse of warmth to a cold, dull cottage Scrooge had hoped to never return to. Oh, please, spirit. Not here, I pray of you. No, 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 no. We have to. I have a job to do. 
The spirit carries Scrooge through the door to find a slightly older Scrooge squared off with a young woman in a quaint kitchen. I told you, Belle, it's not you. I just don't like Halloween. You don't want to do a couple's costume with me because you don't love me, Ebenezer. Admit it! The costume wouldn't even make sense. What the hell is a sandbird and why is it with a hair man? Because the hair man keeps the crawlers at bay. You've changed, Ebenezer. I haven't, Belle. You're changing right now. I can see your face contorting and changing color as I speak. Belle. You're evaporating into nothingness before my eyes, Ebenezer. The sheep now. Belle, you have too much evil blood inside you. You need to wear the leeches Dr. Sherman prescribed. Ebenezer, I can hear the sheep. They'll find us. We must hide. Belle, stop drawing things. Come, Scrooge, don't be bashful. What does that even mean? The spirit quickly whisks Scrooge out of that memory as the hostility heats up and returns him to the quiet comfort of his bedroom. The pair freeze in the stillness for quite some time before Scrooge is placed carefully onto his bed as the spirit struggles to find the words to speak. Um, that... That wasn't the memory it was supposed to be. What was that? Uh, Bell was, uh, was a hatter. Uh, we didn't really know Mercury did that. Oh. Yeah, her mind went and uh, she drowned inside a, a duck looking for seashells. I'm embarrassed. That was supposed to be a fun Halloween you had at summer camp. I had no idea. Oh, it's fine. Look, I um, I gotta go. That shook me a bit. Just hang out here for a bit. Uh, the next ghost should be coming by at about two. All right. Uh, can you fetch me the, the laudanum from the bathroom counter before you go? I, Oh. Scrooge's request echoed about his empty bedroom where he now found himself in isolation, but it echoed at such a low level that it may not warrant mention at all. Scrooge was conscious of being exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness and a throbbing lower back. He reeled his head back in bed and fell into a deep sleep. Stave four. Scrooge! Oh, fuck! What? What? what, what what's happening? <laughs> Didn't mean to wake you. I'm the ghost of Halloween present. Now that you're awake, come and know me better, man. Scrooge watched this figure of almost gargantuan size as to fill the room from floor to ceiling shrink with every step in his simple green robe until it reached a door Scrooge had not seen nor blasted with a shotgun, and fit through perfectly without having to duck its head. Ah, my back! Oh, God! Scrooge pulls himself out of bed and hobbles towards this new door, but his back spasms bring him to a halt before he can reach the door. Come and know me better, man. Uh, I I heard you. I heard you. Give me a second. Ah, shit. As Scrooge limps through the doorway, he looks up to see the room was his own. There was no doubt about that. A perfect mirror of the bedroom he had just left, down to the shotgun-blasted door, but surprisingly transformed. His walls and ceiling were no longer bare, but draped with black and orange garland and rubber bats. In his chair by the fire now sat a plastic skeleton in clown shoes and wig and now a great feast lay spread across the clone bed where the figure was tucked in and eating. Come in and know me better, man. I'm here. I'm right here. Oh, you were taking so long I wasn't paying attention. You've never seen the like of me before. No, never. Uh, certainly not in my bed. It's comfy. What's this blanket? Um, alpaca. It's amazing. That's why I got it. I'm going to have to take it when I leave. What? Have you never walked forth with the younger members of my family on Halloween's past? No, great spirit. I have not partaken in the Halloween season in many a year now. Yes, and I'm sure you learned your lesson about that from the ghost of Halloween past. Um, well, not really. What? What do you mean, not really? Well, I, I fell and hurt my back, and it's been a whole thing. Were you touching the ghost's hand? He's supposed to tell you. I, I slipped. Well, that's on you, then. 
I'm sure that's why you two were late, and now that makes us late, so we better go before we miss things. I'm in no condition to venture out again. I need rest, and Look, Scrooge? Uh, Scrooge. Scrooge. We have a time window when all these things you need to see happen. And if we miss that window, that's it. Can't you conjure them to show me? The the other guys said that they were shadows of my past. Yeah, shadows. You know how shadows work? There's a whole lighting department involved behind the scenes here. It's a logistical nightmare setting these up. You think maybe you could be a good sport and let us do our jobs? Is this... Are you hired to do this? Yes. What? You think we all just decide to stop by and teach you a lesson? (laughs) There's a job order. Let's go. Uh, Can I at least eat something? Uh, All tonight I've had was um, lumpy brown. No. I brought this from home. Touch my robe. We're going. Already two minutes late. Scrooge took one last look at the feast of steaming goose and turkey, great joints of meat, suckling pig, wreaths of sausage links, mince pies and plum puddings, oysters, chestnuts, apples, pears, and a big bowl of chocolate pudding with gummy worms and cookie crumbs layered on top as a sort of dirt. Just one bite. No. But there was all that time spent listing off the food just now. And now we're even more late. Get over here. Scrooge grabbed a leg of oyster as he approached the spirit and snagged a bite before it vanished in an instant, along with the room itself and everything in it. As Scrooge's touch of the ghost's robe transported them to the city streets on Halloween Day, where the people made a rough but brisk walk from door to door, collecting their yum-yums. Look at you two go! Now aren't you glad you practiced? Yes. Spirit. Yes, Scrooge. I think I- I'm going to be ill. That oyster leg is fomenting an insurrection against my stomach. What oyster leg? Did you eat my food? I said not to. I, I couldn't help it. Oh, 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 oh. You could. You're just a greedy son of a bitch. That's the whole problem here. Stop being like this. I'm beautiful in my way, because God makes no mistakes. I, I'm, I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Oh, God. It's the wrong track, and you're running out of time to correct it. We're going to Bob Gratchit's house so you can see why giving out candy is so important. Who? Bob Gratchit. Your clerk. Oh, the unnamed clerk from Stave 2? I I thought he had no name. No name? He's a human being. How would that work? You think he's just gotten through life never being referred to? He's gotten through his employ without being referred to. What? You really are a piece of shit. Unbelievable. I'm glad this is just about the candy thing. You're lost cause on everything else. Thank you. Let's get this over with. I really should go home and rest. I... No, no, don't do that. It's staying... It's staying down. Just hold it. Maybe if you learn your lesson, we can just go. And you wouldn't even need to see the third one. (coughs) Okay. Oh my god. A... Here's a bucket, in case you need to throw up. Oh, man, I do not want to have to clean anything up. Make sure you aim, okay? Maybe. All right, all right. Let's make this fast and keep it together. The spirit guided Scrooge and his bucket toward Bob Cratchit's house just up the block from where they had appeared. The Cratchit's home had an indescribable aura, describable as kind of chill. The outside decorations lay smashed on the pavement, a tradition started by the neighbor boy that very morning. The inside had but a single ghost, hung from the mantle with care. Do people really think we look like that? Where are the arms? It's just cloth with a round head. 
Who have you seen with a round head? Vin Diesel, but... Uh, oh, 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 my stomach. Oh, I think I'm... Oh, Scrooge. No. I said sorry. You have the bucket for that. What are you doing? Uh, maybe I can scoop it. Oh! Oh, it's in my nose. That reeks. Keep that bucket away from me. The spirit moved into the house towards a Mrs. Cratchit, dressed out but poorly in a twice-turned gown and cheap ribbons, which made a goodly show as she stirred the potatoes in the saucepan with a fork. The eldest boy, Peter, steamed the Halloween goose to a tender perfection as his sister Belinda sorted the bowl of candy near the door by density, looking out the window expectantly every few seconds. I hope Father returns soon with our costumes. I can't wait to go trick-or-treating. Now, Belinda, you can wait, and you will. No more talk of refusing the passage of time. Peter, how's that steamed goose coming along? Excellent, Mother. Father will be pleased the practice goose turned out so well. Wonderful, Peter. Why don't you start steaming the goose we'll have for dinner, then? With pleasure. It may cost more to buy two gooses to practice with one, but the results are worth it. Agreed. Oh, and there's Tiny Tim. Is your ukulele ready for trick-or-treating? Now we just need your father to get home from work and picking up the two other Tiny Tim costumes. Did you see what those little shits next door did to our decorations? Now, Bob, traditions have to start sometime. Did you get the costumes? Costumes? Who can think about buying costumes, Sheila? I make hardly enough money at my job. My boss doesn't even know my name. We're spending a fortune on two geese just to practice with one? The results are worth it! It turned out quite well, Father. I'm starting to think Scrooge is right. Maybe this holiday just isn't worth celebrating. Maybe we should keep the candy for ourselves. Now, Bob, let me tell you something that'll set you straight. Oh, this is it. Scrooge, pay attention. Scrooge. Take me home. This is agony. Listen, then. You're missing it. I I need rest and doctor-prescribed cocaine to settle me. You know what, Sheila? You're right. I see now that everything that Ebenezer, Ivorizer, Scrooge believes and everything that I started to believe is wrong. Merry Halloween, everyone. Merry Halloween, Bob. Ah, oh, damn it. Damn it, Scrooge. We missed it. We missed the perfect speech. You son of a bitch. This, this is my worst day on the job. Because of you. Oh, there's blood in it now. There's blood in my vomit. Good. That's karma. God, you know what? I wasn't even going to show you this. You know that costume party your niece Fredina invited you to? I remember it like it was yesterday. It was yesterday. I'm taking you there to show you something. I want you to see what people think of you. The angry spirit grabbed hold of Scrooge's shoulder as he lay keeled over on the ground dripping his bucket tight and transported them to another shadow of Halloween day. Scrooge found himself in Fredina's front room where her costume party was already underway. There was bobbing for apples, pin the murder on the werewolf, square dancing, and all kinds of shapes to Scrooge's amazement. But the partygoers were in the midst of a particular game Scrooge had not played since his youth. All right, who's up next for yes or no? Michael, would you like to be it for us to guess your costume? A marvellous idea. Go ahead, ask away. You'll never guess who I'm dressed as this Halloween. Hmm, quite a tricky one here. Let's see, are you a vegetable? No. A mineral? No. Animal, then. What else? Are you found in a zoo? Hardly. Do I have one of you buried in my cellar? Certainly not. Are you an unwanted creature? Yes! I've got it! You're Ebenezer Scrooge! (laughs) (laughs) The party-goers mocked Scrooge through their approval of Michael's costume, which consisted only of tube socks and nothing else. You see that? No one likes you. 
How did I know I slept nearly naked? I don't know, but no one likes a greedy Gus. Let's get you back. You can rest a bit before the last ghost. Please, please, spirit, I can bear no more visits. Well, we wouldn't have to if you'd paid attention in the first place. Uh, Gross. Leave the bucket. I'm taking you back. The ghost takes hold of Scrooge to return to Scrooge's dark, dejected bedchambers once more, where Scrooge curls up on his bed to relieve his stomach pain, but did so face down like a snail. Are you going to be okay? No. Sounds good. Rest up. The third ghost should be coming by in a bit. I'll set your nearly an hourglass so you don't miss it. It's, it's not an alarm clock. Oh. Scrooge once again found himself alone in his room, his words echo still subsonic in nature. He adjusted his denim boxers as they had begun to ride high before burying his face once again in his warm bed and falling into a deep sleep. Stave 5 A low pressure Scrooge felt on his midsection stirred him from his slumber in what had become an almost nightly ritual. Gotta pay. He clutches his back and stomach as he gets out of bed, caught between the two insufferable traumas he'd received that night. I hope this uh, ghost gets here soon. I need to sleep this all off. Oh! In front of the bathroom door was a solemn phantom, draped and hooded in a deep black garment, hovering like a mist above the ground. The very air in which this spirit stood seemed to admit gloom and mystery. Am I in the presence of the ghost of Halloween yet to come? Scrooge asked, and as a quiet dread washed over him, the spirit nodded without a word. You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened. The spirit nodded once more, still blocking the bathroom. This, uh, this medium's not really made for visuals, it's all audio. It, it helps if you talk. Ooh, I get you, no problem, boss. I can talk, Squeeze. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird if the... The narrator has to keep jumping back in to explain little mundane things. Scrooge proclaimed, rubbing an itch he had behind his ear in a short circular motion at first, but then switching to a scratching motion with his fingernails, as an anteater might do when disturbing an anthill to lure out prey. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, you catch that. All right. Well, I'm here to show you your future, Scrooge. It seems the first two ghosts trying to teach you a lesson didn't work out so good. I'm afraid not, spirit. The ghost of Halloween past dropped me and I hurt my back and the ghost of Halloween present fed me rancid oyster leg. Ah, so this is all their fault. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Huh, because they sing in a different tune, see? Wonderful little more harmony, a capiche? No, you're, you're losing me with that. It means they're saying the same thing, see? And that's that you're kind of a greedy scumbag. Their kind of lessons ain't gonna work on, Scrooge. And now I'm here to teach you my way. And you're going to show me my future if I continue to be greedy. But, but not greedy in general, but just the part about not giving candy at Halloween. That's right, wise guy. All right, spirit. I am willing to learn... What you have to teach me. Just make it fast. My, my stomach and my back are killing me. Oh, this won't take long. Oh, 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 what, what are you doing? So you like keeping candy for yourself, huh? Don't want to give any out for Halloween, do you? Well, this is your Halloween yet to come, Scrooge. You don't start giving out candy, I'll come back next year. In the year after that. In the year after that. Until you start learning your lesson. Spirit, please stop. The spirit continued to beat and kick Scrooge about his bedroom until Scrooge was a broken, bloody mess on the floor, begging for his life as the spirit held his collar. Please, please, terrible spirit. I can't bear this no longer. So you're going to give candy now, Scrooge? I will, I will, spirit. Hear me. I am not the man I was. I will honour Halloween in my heart and try to keep it once a year. I I will live in the past, the present and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. 
I will not shut out the lessons that they try to teach. Good. If I gotta come back here, you won't end up in some neglected graveyard of a tombstone I could have pointed to you and make you cry. Where would I end up? Sewer. I, I, I promise, spirit. I, I am changed. You will never have to return to me again. I hope so. <laughs> With this final punch to his face, Scrooge reeled backwards onto the floor. But miraculously, by means of what Scrooge assumed were the same mysterious forces that had transported him all night, found himself tucked in bed on Halloween morning. Yes, the bedpost was his own, the room was his own, the blood on his sheets was his own, even the destroyed bedroom door was his own doing. Best and happiest of all, the time before him was his own. Oh, Marley, hear me now. I will live in the past, the present, and the future teachings. Heaven and Halloween season be praised for this. I shall say it on my knees, old Marley. I shall do whatever I must to avoid future ghostly visits. On my knees, I promise this. Scrooge, not on his knees, gets out of bed and rushes to the window, where a procession in the street below was taking place. Scrooge calls out to a boy below. Hi, what's today, my fine fellow? I, I, I say it again, what's today? Is is this a Halloween day parade? No, they caught the midnight bell ringer at last. Take him to King's Round for a proper hanging, they are. Best thing to happen around here since they caught the midday street shitter. Ah, an intelligent boy, a remarkable boy. Come to my door, there's something of mine I want inside you. Eh? Uh, candy, my dear boy, I want, I want to give you candy. It is Halloween, is it not? Come. Are you going to put on more than just the tube socks and denim? Scrooge raced downstairs in enough clothing already and gave out candy to the boy and every child on the street that came to his door in costume up to a certain age. Bob Cratchit, Scrooge's unnamed clerk, spots the commotion at Scrooge's door and makes his way over to see what the ruckus was all about. Mr. Scrooge, what is all this? I thought you said yesterday at work that you didn't partake in the Halloween season. My fine employee, I, I am a changed man today. A changed man, I say. The Halloween spirit flows through me, and I will be a better, more generous man than you have ever known. You mean it? You mean you'll raise my salary? Endeavor to assist my struggling family? Be like a second father to just one of my children and discuss my affairs this afternoon over a bowl of lumpy brown? No, no. I, I, I'm marginally more generous. I give out candy now. Oh. Yes, I, I traveled through time last night with ghosts. Okay. I, I, and, and they tried to teach me something, and, and one of them beat me. And, and, and if I don't give out candy, they'll be back for me. Did you fall down the stairs or something? Where are your clothes? But, but one day, my kin will return to this mansion, and, and he'll run around with a suction device on his back to catch these ghosts that haunted me so. And his name will be Luigi. Alright, kids, why don't you back up from the mostly naked man? That's it. Let's avoid this house for a bit. I'll, uh... I'll see you at work, Mr. Scrooge. You hear that, Marley? You've won for now, but one day I will have my revenge. Your ghostly days are numbered, Marley. <laughs> Marley! Oh, ooh, oh, getting a tube sock rash. Scrooge continued to give out candy in his denim boxers, laughing maniacally. He was good on his word and better. But not only did he give out candy every year, Scrooge even got a variety to hand out, and also kept his word that his greed would remain unchanged in all other areas of his life. Yes, Scrooge was a different man, still afraid of heights, but glowing with the Halloween spirit nonetheless, for one day a year. With no more ghostly interactions, Scrooge was able to live out the rest of his years accumulating vast amounts of wealth that impressed a great many people. But the true treasure in Scrooge's life was the lesson he learned that night. Always do what you're told when threatened with violence. End chapter 2 Clarissa Tinky Dinks never fit in at school because she was too old to be there. Get out of here! 
You're not in second grade. You're an adult. You don't know that. I do. You're too big. You don't fit in. Size is just a measurement. And she always struggled to hold down a job. You're late again, Clarissa. That's the eighth time this week, and it's only Tuesday. I'm sorry. I'll stay an extra hour. The spaceship to Mars already launched. You're fired. She even ruined her mother's second wedding. I now pronounce you man and... Oh, God, help me! Clarissa, what are you doing? You murdered the priest! It's fine. This guy who's a dog who used to be a prince impersonator said this guy didn't mop right and needed to die. Well, now who's going to officiate this wedding? But one day, she discovered that when one door closes, another one opens. Who keeps opening these doors? Why did these keep opening? Come on! I just don't know what to do. When I close one of the doors, another one in the house opens on its own. It seems like there's only one solution. What is it? Take all your doors down. You know what? You're right. I will take my doors down. No doors on Clarissa's house. In theaters everywhere this spring. Dr. Raymond Pants, Books on Tape on Demand is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.